You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. I am joined, thankfully, by my co-host, Alex Morallo, because, Alex, we got some stuff to talk about tonight, don't we? Indeed, we do. Some some craziness just in the last half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News breaking the story that the New York Jets have been contacted by Jamal Adams, all pro safety Jamal Adams, to seek permission to find a trade partner. The Jets, according to Manish Mehta, have not granted that to Adams as of yet. And Alex, I mean, we saw this coming a many miles away. Uh, you and I spoke just a few minutes ago very briefly, and I'd said to you that I remembered thinking back to last year at the deadline when the rumors were swirling, when Jamal Adams' feelings were clearly very hurt. Uh, I said that once Ryan Clark, I believe it was Ryan Clark, um, who went on the air at ESPN, at, even after, I believe the deadline had passed, like the trade clearly wasn't going to happen, but, uh, or maybe, maybe it was still up in the air, whatever it was, Ryan Clark went on the air at ESPN and said, I've spoken to Jamal Adams, um, and he's happy about the fact that he's going to be a cowboy, or something to that effect. Um, this stuff doesn't happen by accident. Players... I mean, Ryan Clark's an ex-player, Jamal Adams, current player. They know, you know, how to sort of measure their words very carefully. Everything is crafted, designed. This, to me, was an attempt to, to get it out there that Jamal Adams did want to be a cowboy uh, this offseason. Uh, I said at that time, Alex, I thought a deal would happen this offseason, which it didn't. But I kind of, I've said many times, I want Jamal signed long-term. I want him here. I want him to stay but I've kind of known deep down that it would at least come to this point. And this is why, Alex, a couple months ago, I can't even rem- I can't remember the tweet, but Jamal Adams tweeted something a couple months ago that I, I said something. I was like, hey, this is a big deal. And that, a lot of people, it's nothing. You're making something out of nothing. This is no big deal. It doesn't mean anything. This happens all the time. Oh, that's it. It was, it was the training camp uh, that he wasn't going to attend the virtual workouts, uh, the voluntary virtual workouts which a lot of people said I was being silly for making note of it. Um, Players do this all the time. And I just kind of said, how many players do this a couple of days? I think it was because he said a couple of days before the draft. I think that's what, that was my thinking. I said, I said they are entering the the most premium time of the season. Like the peak, the, the, the point at which a trade is most likely a day or two before the draft was when it was announced by his people that he would not be attending voluntary workouts. That, to me, was Jamal saying, this is the chance to trade me, so I'm going to put it out there that I'm not going to work out with you guys. And I think he wanted out from that point, if not sooner. Um, went into denial over it, because I don't want the guy to go. Denial, denial, denial. But every with every tweet, with every jab, with every shot... We talked about it, Alex. He, he, not a single tweet to any of his new teammates that got drafted. He tweeted, Christian McCaffrey, congratulations on your new big contract, Christian. Uh, another player, I forget who, congrats on your deal. And then, uh, who was it? Miles Garrett the other day. Congratulations on your new contract. So he didn't congratulate one single new teammate, but he congratulated every dude who got a new contract. And then just a day or two ago, tweeted out, a video of C.D. Lamb of the Cowboys working out like, oh, yeah, this dude's going to get it this year. I'm like, this dude is like actively cheering for Cowboys players and dudes getting contracts and saying not a word to his new teammates. Um, that's again, that's all by design. That's not by accident. You think he just accidentally didn't tweet, you know, oh, I, I think he did a day or two after the draft. He tweeted out like a list of every player and was like, welcome to New York. But none, none, like last, last offseason, 
it was like, let's go get it. Welcome to New York. Like individual, each guy, you know, welcome to the Jets. We're going to get after it. We're going to do this. None of that this year. So the majority of his social media activity has been, I want a deal, congratulating everyone else who got a deal, and celebrating Cowboys draft picks more than he's celebrating his own draft, his own teammates draft picks. So the guy wants out. Um, that's been clear for a while. Like I said, I kind of lived in denial for a little bit. And now, Alex, um, and I'll let you speak here in a second. I didn't mean to ramble on this long. But uh, obviously, we're, we're both going to have say our piece on this. Um, Calvin Watkins, former Jets writer for Newsday, now covers the Cowboys. Um, and he's got sources telling him that Jamal Adams or Jamal's camp, wherever he's getting the info, saying that Jamal Adams would be happy to play with a few other teams where he would not demand a deal right away. That's the writing on the wall, folks. He is currently a Jet under contract with the Jets. Jets have control of him for minimum two years up to, and could be more than that, with franchise tags. And he's saying, if I deal right now, I want out. But, oh, by the way, there are some teams you can trade me to, and I'm not in any rush to get a deal because I would actually like to be in those places. So I'll give them a little bit of freedom. Jets don't get any freedom. Jets don't get any benefit of the doubt. Jets don't get any, you know, and, and one, sorry, I, I, there was one more aspect I want to touch on, um, Alex. Or actually, you know what? You, you go say your piece. And then I had one more aspect that I wanted to address in terms of what Jamal has been saying and tweeting about the whole situation. Alex, take it away. I am not well, Jet Nation. This is not good. Um, Glenn, you, you put it out there, um, the timeline of everything that's been going on, and the writing's been on the wall for quite some time. And, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn individual myself, and I've been fighting the good fight, as I always do, for, for these players that I covet. And I always end up losing, I, I have come to see. So, like I said before, I'm, I'm not committing to any new players anymore moving forward. That's my new thing. But anyway... You know, this is uh, completely unfortunate that things have spiraled out of control like this. Uh, I'm very displeased with the way Jamal's actually handling himself. And this is coming from someone that is a huge, huge fan of him. I was pounding the table for him. The draft came around, and I remember debating people with him over Malik Hooker and, you know, just kind of just getting into these fun debates with everybody. And, and it felt like a, a huge win on draft night when he became, a, you know, a Jet. And, uh, you know, clearly uh, this relationship was completely tarnished, and we, we all saw that during the trade deadline last year. Uh, we saw how he, how he reacted, the way he changed uh, his social media status on all his platforms, removing everything that was Jets, and then lying about it in public, saying that he never had anything associated with Jets, and the Internet does not lie. Everyone keeps receipts, and people screenshotted his account prior to, you know, him making those changes on Instagram and, and Twitter. And so the writing has been on the wall for quite some time. And, uh, you know, Joe Douglas clearly felt that he was losing the fan base and everyone was in an uproar. I remember I, for some reason I have October 21st in my head was the, the deadline of last year. So that whole week prior to it, um, we all know, and we all remember how crazy uh, that time was and, you know, Jamal hasn't forgotten about it. Um, he was very upset. He didn't talk to Adam Gase. He didn't talk to Joe Douglas. People asked him and on the beat, you know, have you spoken to him? He said, nope, I'm not ready for that. Um, you know, and as you said, uh, th- those are not things that leaders do. Those are not things that, that men do want that put the team first. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words. And he says the right things, but we can tell that he is not performing or handling things like a leader does. Um, You don't earn a captain uh, responsibility and then not show up to these, uh, I don't care, mandatory, not mandatory. You're a captain. Uh, You should be there. You should be participating. Um, You know, we understand we went through this with Bell and we water this down every year. I think we need to stop watering things down and making excuses for these players because look at what happened. Look at what we're dealing with right now. We have one of the best defensive players in the league on our team. And within one year, you know, at this new, the new personnel in the front office, Adam Gase included, because he was the one that chose Joe Douglas. Okay. And Joe Douglas has the rights 
and he has the authority to manipulate this roster as he pleases. That's what Woody Johnson, Chris Johnson, allowed him to do. And we know last year when Gase was pressed about questions with Bell, go ask Joe. Because he clearly, you know, either he just doesn't want to deal with those tough questions or in reality, Gase no longer has that type of control anymore. Don't really know. I guess we'll never really know until, until all these people leave the team. But this is a travesty. Um, and it's unfortunate that things spiraled out of control. You know, Joe Douglas told everybody. He told the whole world after the trade deadline passed. Because let's be honest, he did not need to show face and have a press conference. We hadn't seen him address the media probably since that first or second week when he got the job back in late May or June or whatever the date was. So he didn't need to come out and say anything, but he felt that he needed to. And then he told us this story of how we, we answer calls and everybody bought it. He told us that he was going to make Jamal Adams a jet for life. We have not seen that yet to date. Um, in his off season, uh, you know, after the 2019 season, he addressed the media. He said that that was one of the priorities is making jets, uh, making Jamal Adams a jet for life. We have yet to see that. Tremaine Johnson was let all go a couple weeks ago. We got $11 million back on the cap. We found room to give him more money. We still haven't done that. And now if you do try to make him a deal, it's going to have to be an absurd contract because the writing's on the wall. The relationship has, has clearly been tarnished. And I don't know if money at this point is going to, uh, you know, save grace here with this situation. You know, we saw the way Jamal represented himself when they were on a losing streak last year. They're saying, me, I'm not a loser. This doesn't represent me. Well, you represent New York and you represent this team and you're part of this team. And in your mind, you may not feel like you were a loser, but you were part of a losing team. But you said that you were here to make changes and that you were going to help this team win football games. And now you want to leave. And you're still under contract, and the Jets have rights to you for this year, for next year. And like you said, when you and I were talking, they could tag him for the next couple of years too if they felt like it because that is their right as them selecting him in the first round. So this is just a terrible situation in my mind. I'm a little disgusted. I'm a little distraught. At the end of the day, this is the way I feel. I want players that want to be here on this team through thick and thin, through good times, through bad, all that stuff. I want guys that are all in, that want to be on this team and want to win. And right now, number 33 is not showing that. He's not showing that to his fan base. He can say whatever he wants. He can, you know, put out his cryptic tweets or whatever. We're not buying it anymore. And everyone's upset. And all you have to do is just check into social media and, and Google his name, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. We're going to go to the phones real quick, uh, take this caller, and then I'm going to have another thought on uh, on something that Jamal Adams said. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on? Man? How are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How y'all? Doing good, doing good. What are you thinking about tonight? Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of fan bases getting mad at the player. Uh, whatever happens between the relationship between the player and the front office, uh, these things happen, man. You're not getting married. You draft a guy. Things don't work out. You you move on. You you get what you can in compensation for him, and you move on. Like I I, I think bad franchises engage in this stuff where they're trying to, you know, nickel and dime a guy, or they're trying to afterwards settle a score by keeping them longer and stuff like that. To me, the good franchises, especially in positions like safety, where you you're not gonna get Jamal Adams equivalent. But you're going to get, a, a, you know what I'm saying, a solid starter in that spot. So I, I would say you move on. You make the trade. Uh, no harm, no foul. It is what it is. But to me, the bigger problem has always been the idea of Adam Gates, especially Adam Gates empowered within an organization. To me, that was a mistake from day one. And we're continuing to see issues that kind of, I don't know, fall apart from just based on that ultimate decision. But Adams has proven to be a really good player. But is he a franchise player who you can't do without? Or if you don't get adequate compensation, your franchise is ruined? No. He's a premier safety. But, you know, 
it is what it is. You continue building and, you know, just don't put put good money after bad money. You just you just keep moving and keep building. Don't take any of this stuff personal because we have no idea uh, how contentious it got behind the scenes between these two parties. So there's no reason to even pick a side. Yeah, hey, and hey, I think you make a good point with, with – oh, sorry, go I ahead, Alex. To, I, I want to ask who, who – what's your name? Who, who are we addressing here? That is Naj. I'm sorry? Naj. Naj, well, thank you for calling in. And, um, man, you know, what you just said there uh, kind of gave me a little bit of perspective. But, you know, thank you for calling in, and um, I just wanted to know who you were. But, Glenn, go ahead with your question. No, I, I was just going to say, the, in regards to the Adam Gase thing, that to me, and I, I'm sure I've said it on the air a couple times, Alex, um, when, when the, the non-trade happened last, last year or during the season and Adams was, was publicly upset with Gase and Douglas, uh, and, you know, we remember him standing in front of his locker, um, you know, saying he, he had only spoken to Chris Johnson because he can trust him. Um, so he was sort of implying – not implying he was he was basically saying he didn't trust Gase and Douglas without saying those exact words, just basically saying I'm not speaking to them, but I spoke to Chris because I trust Chris. Um, at that moment, that's when I was kind of looking at Adam Gase's history in Miami and how he got rid of some of his best players if they were causing friction in the locker room or if there were effort issues on the field. That's obviously not an Adams thing, but sort of I thought if he's got a guy in his locker room standing in front of the camera saying I don't trust the coach and the GM. I, I, I was like, this, I think, is going to fester with Adam Gase. And, and I'm, as we know, I am not a Gase guy. I didn't want the hire. I don't want him here now. But the bottom line is he is here. I think Joe Douglas, in order to be able to retain or fire Adam Gase in the future, is going to try to do as much as he can that Adam Gase wants him to do to be able to say, listen, dude, I gave you everything you wanted. Now, this can be a point of contention because I believe Joe Douglas wants Jamal Adams to stay around. I really do. But, and this kind of, you know, the other point I was going to make was in terms of Jamal, and I agree, Naj, like to, to get upset at a player personally, you know, that, that's kind of taking it over the top. Uh, you know, we get frustrated as fans, and we hate to see it. Listen, as Jets fans, I talked about this a few weeks ago. It, this team rarely drafts good players, and it seems like when they do, they get traded. You know, we, we saw it with Keyshawn. We saw it with Revis. We saw it, we're about to see it, it would appear, with Jamal at some point. So they don't draft a lot of all-pro, you know, elite caliber players. And when they do, they let them go, whereas other teams seem to find a way to keep those guys. Um, but, again, Jamal said on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it was, he didn't want to hear it because he didn't want to hear about the COVID thing because the Panthers gave McCaffrey a huge extension. And my thought on that is one has nothing to do with the other. First of all, I'm sure McCaffrey got his deal before everything went completely nuts. No one was thinking there wouldn't be fans in the stadium. And even if they had, even if everything was equal now to, then to what it is now, every team's cap situation is going to be different. Every team is going to have their own outlook on what they're expecting next year. I mean, listen, if you and your neighbor have the same job and roughly the same income, and you both find out you might be getting laid off and your neighbor goes out and spends a hundred grand on a new car. Does that mean you should do the same thing and be like, Oh, well the wife wants a new car and my neighbor just bought one. So why shouldn't I? So what if we might be getting laid off? Listen, if your neighbor wants to be an irresponsible idiot, let him, that doesn't mean that you're obliged you know, obligated to do the same thing. So for Jamal Adams to say, I don't want to hear about COVID and the pandemic because, because uh, McCaffrey got his money. That's how the Panthers handled it. Maybe Joe Douglas is being more prudent. Maybe Joe Douglas is saying, listen, there's rumors of a drop in, in cap space by $60, 70000000 million. We, we might be looking at $20 million in cap space instead of 80 or $90 million. I can't afford to give you a, a, a 9 or 10 or $11 million pay raise. So to say that the Jets should pay Jamal because one team was reckless and paid one of their guys, that make, that, that, that's foolish. That's beyond foolish. You don't say that you know, just because one team did a reckless thing, I don't want to hear that my team can't do a reckless thing. But uh, anyway, Nash, did you have anything else? Uh, anything else to add to that? Well, to the argument of a guy who wants his money, like you know, what I'm it's going to be self-serving no matter what. So of course Jamal is going to say that because he wants the money. But honestly, like just getting into what you were just saying, positionally, can you pay a safety that amount of money? Period. 
even if Jamal, let's say Jamal was one times better than what he is, even better than what he is right now, could you still justify that much money at that position? I don't know. Unless we're watching Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu, I, I don't know if you can actually do that. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I really think, think you that need depends. to explore, explore what package you can get for him and, and keep it moving, man. And it probably yeah, would have been better to trade them before all of this started, before people start trying to, you know, use this as a way to push down, uh, you know, the value you get back. It, 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 listen, I'm, I'm, I've kind of been at the point for a while now, having said a million times I want Jamal back, that I, I would be just as happy if I feel like they can get equal value in a trade. Um, and speaking of that, by the way, I hadn't mentioned this yet. I hadn't seen the list. Um, apparently, just before we came on the air, Alex, I don't know if you saw this, Adam Schefter tweeted out a uh, what he is claiming uh, from a source, the teams that Jamal Adams has said he will go to where he will not request. Uh, or d- this doesn't. This just said seven teams where Jamal Adams will welcome a trade. Um, and the common thread here is that these are all teams on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl. So Jamal Adams is saying Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, Seahawks. Um, all playoff teams, all top contenders, even teams like uh, the Cowboys, who haven't been great of late, have loaded up. People are expecting big things there. So obviously he he wants to go to a team that he feels like is a lock for the postseason. Um, but listen, obviously, you know, everyone wants to go. If, if you want to get paid and you get to choose where you want to go, you're going to want to go to a team that's on the cusp. Um, and that's understandable. But the Jets hold all the cards. And uh, Naj, thanks for calling in. I really appreciate it, and and I agree. I think that the Jets they, they need thanks, to um. I think thanks, they need man. to make That'll a deal. Uh, you too. Now take care. Yeah, I, I, a deal would. Uh, I wouldn't be upset. I I, th- I think part of it too is that it's been um, it's been a long time in, in, in the uh, it, it's been in the headlines long enough, long times in the making with Jamal wanting to force his way out of town. And I, you know, one thing that Naj said that someone else just tweeted at me and I understand, Oh, you can't pay a safety that money. But we have to be fair here, Alex, whether you like Jamal Adams or not, he is more than a safety. He plays the slot and he plays it well. He covers tight ends. He covers them. Well, he can get to the quarterback. He can stuff the run. This is why he's an all pro. This is why someone is seen amount of money. He's not just a safety. Um, and for Otherwise, any defensive coordinator, any defensive coordinator, to give, he wouldn't have as many suitors if he was just a safety because everybody waters down this position as if, you know, it's, it's easily replaced and you can find guys, you know, to be box safeties anywhere. Well, if that's the case, then why are teams interested in Jamal Adams? If they can replicate, yeah, you know, well, that, that, that simplification that you, that you claim that he is, I mean, you know, I think it was just Carl. Um, you know, he was the ex giant. I'm sorry. Um, Carl Banks. Carl Banks just said, um, you know, for all you people that just say, no worries, let him go. He's just a box safety. Well, when yeah. he goes, you will see the difference to what exactly. just a box safety is. You will see a Calvin Pryor style player that's supposed to be this big hitter that gets beat by athletic tight ends that chooses poor angles in the run game and lets up, you know, third and long situations for first downs and the chains keep moving. I could go on and on about, you know, these, these, you know, one dimensional style players at that position, but you're talking about a mm-hmm. multifaceted player and there's only a few of them that can do what he can do. You, there's not yep. even more than five players in this league that can do what Jamal Adams can do. Yeah. And, and that's listen. the reality of the situation. As I say all the time when I get into these arguments with people, and listen, sometimes I'm wrong. I've, I'll tell you, I can tell you right now. I certainly say hey, we own up to it right now to a decent contract. But but I always say, wait wait till wait till he gets his contract, and then you tell me if he gets paid like just a safety. For all these people, oh, you know, he, and especially people call him a box safety. I mean, come on, you know, if he was just a box safety, then you could just pay Rontez Miles to do that job. But he's not just a box safety. Um, he's much more than that. He's an all-pro player. He's, if he keeps playing the way he does, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. I get that. Um, but as I said, man, uh, I, I did the, the quick little blog post on it when I saw the story and said uh, Jets might be asking more of Ashton Davis a lot sooner than we expected, you know. And uh, Jamal Adams, 
listen, it, it's a shame if this if he does get traded. But the reality of the situation is that he wants to go. Now the one you know one thing worth looking at, Alex, and this, this will be the last thing, so we can close out and do a fifty three man roster projection. Um, you know, I I look at it and kind of say, what what is what does he think the team will do? Does, does Jamal Adams think that the team is just going to bow to whatever he demands? Or are they going to stand firm in which case, and this is something I said to you before we came on, the new CBA has increased the penalty for holding out, which I was aware of. It's now, it's now 40000 a day. But one thing I'd forgotten until I looked it up the other day, because I remember hearing this when it was when the first when the new CBA was first sort of uh, explained, is that teams can no longer forgive those fines and return that money to the player. So forty grand a day, if he holds out for a couple months, that's a hell of a lot of money. That's a huge chunk of what he would have been getting with his new contract. And then if he doesn't get the deal, what if he holds out for a couple months? Joe Douglas doesn't budge, and then he's got to come back in order to get his uh, his full year of service. And then he loses a ton of money, and then the, and then the Jets don't give him a deal next year. That see, my my thought is this, Alex. I think Joe Douglas does want to pay him. I think he wants to wait till next off season, when they're that much closer to the end of his deal, and to see what he does in this defense with Greg Williams, with new pieces added, and to see if he's worth the money. They pro- and they, they probably realize they're probably looking at him saying, going to give this guy the biggest deal in the NFL for a safety. Because he's much more than a safety, so let's let's see him do it again for another year. Let's see if he can be this impact guy who makes plays consistently, and then pay him. But as Rich Semini pointed out months ago, um, Jamal Adams made it clear at the end of the season that he wanted a new deal this offseason. I don't think it's going to happen, and I think using the Ed McCaffrey comparison is ridiculous, and I think the fact that he's saying, here are some teams I will go to and not demand a new deal, that tells me he doesn't want to be a Jet. So, as the world turns, we will see where this lands. And uh, we'll... You know, we'll here's we'll, my final thing. What, what, what is the most upsetting about it is if you're truly upset and you're a professional athlete and this is a business because, you know, he realized, you know, he's a young player. He acted emotionally. He said, I forgot, you know, this isn't just a game. It's something that I love. You know, I forgot that there's a business side to this too. Um, so he, he had to do a little growing up and maturing last year, but you can see that he hasn't really learned much from that because now, you know, he's, he's acting impatient and, you know, it's not like, you know, there's a lot of other people that are in a lot worse situations than you are at this point in time financially. So, you know, it, it's just very, very odd, but I'm very displeased yeah, about mean, the way he handled himself on social media and you gave in to, to these trolls. And I understand. I, you could tell that he gave in because I've seen people say, Pat Mahomes won a Super Bowl. He's in, you know, his third year. He's not demanding big money. Well, you know, that's Pat Mahomes, you know, stance on it. You know, Pat Mahomes doesn't want right. to uh, fight for himself, but, you know, he probably also has a good agent that says, hey, man, you got, you got a Super Bowl ring. You're one of the top players now in the face of the, the NFL You've got all these great endorsements. You know, you're set for life if you walked away from the sport right now as we speak. But when your big payday comes, you're probably going to be the highest paid quarterback in the history of the game. So he understands that playing the slow game is going to work for him. But Jamal commented about that. So you can tell that enough people have been saying that for him to react to it because his Instagram post, they said, I have time today. And that's when I knew when I read that first one, I said, this is going to be bad. So I'm just upset about the way he handled himself. And, you know, we said this. I saw that Alex Smith thing and how crazy the surgery, the 16 surgeries he went through his leg. And I said, you know, I'll never, ever question a player asking for more money in this game. I've got no problem with Jamal Adams wanting to be paid, but I don't like the way the manner in which he's handling it. If you're upset with anybody, fire your agent. If your agent hasn't been able to find a deal or if it's, if it's Joe Douglas that, you know, we know Joe Douglas is stingy. He's missed a one-year deal from what we've seen, and he's not paying big contracts from what we've seen. So we know that Joe Douglas is tight with his wallet, so that could be one thing. We also know that Jamal thinks very high of himself, and he wants a huge mega deal, 
And we also know that Joe Douglas hasn't done that, so that may not be what he wants to do. And, you know, the third factor is, is that he's got poor representation at this point in time. So that's where I would go. Go after your agent. Tweet at your, you know, text your agent, all that craziness. Um, but giving in to social media shows weakness, and it shows a lack of leadership, like we said. So let's move on. And, um, you know, I guess to be determined um, within the next uh, few days on, on how this all pans out. All right, Alex. We will see how it goes. And before we move on to our 53-man roster, Alex, let's take just a second to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. Miles Social, if you are a business owner and you're looking for someone to help you run all of your company's social media platforms, check out milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social.com. Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it may be, Miles Social has got you covered. Check them out. Like I said, Miles Social, M-I-L-E social.com. Give them a look. All right, Alex. So um, we haven't done 53. We normally do, you know, a little while before training camp and then again near the end of camp. Uh, so let's, we'll roll right into it. I mean, they're going to be – I'm not going to lie, man. There were, some, there were some spots, some positions. I had a really tough time. Um, Likewise. I, I, I put guys on the roster and took them off. There's part of me – I'm like, are they going to carry four running backs? They might carry four because I really – I think they. I think Brant Boyer is going to, you know, as we like to say, pound the table for Trenton Cannon because he's been a phenomenal coverage guy. But then I think, ah, oh, there's holes elsewhere. You drafted Perrin. You got Gore. You have Bell. Do you need a fourth back? So again, this is just for fun. Uh, and starting off, here's something that's interesting too. Um, Go ahead. And Alex. I took this into factor when I was kind of putting together my my little quick fifty three here. Um, they are they are talking about extending the practice squad. Yes, anywhere yes, I, I from five that. to maybe even ten players due to COVID. Yes, so six, let's I saw keep that in mind when we do yes. this. That there there's about ten players that are on the bubble here that could mm-hmm. possibly be on the I guess we should call it the seventy three. But I think that I think Schefter. Yeah, Sheftor Rappaport tweeted yesterday that it, they were ta- they'd heard they'd talk about expanding it to 16, from 10 to 16. So, actually, had they had they bumped it to 12 for the new the new CBA? I forget now. Um, and so, yeah, who knows about your the the out of league program where we had rugby players and things like that too? So who knows if they're going to get somebody to do that this year? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes, but. Uh, Starting it off, um, and like there are some guys right off the bat that I know that I'm looking at and thinking, oh, I think this guy's probably a practice squad guy, so I'm not going to have him on the roster, but I think he'll stick in, you know, in another way. But of course, at quarterback, you can, I'm going to, I'm going Darnold Flacco, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that um, Morgan's going to come up with a mystery injury and spend the season on IR, sit back and learn, because honestly, if you're down to Morgan during the season, the season's over anyway. So uh, have Darnold, have Flacco. Uh, with Morgan on the on IR, or and maybe a Mike White or somebody like that on the practice squad, and go from there. So the, I'm going Darnold Flacco, two roster spots at quarterback, with one guy spending a season on IR. Um, kind of similar to uh, to what you had there. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that James makes the team, and they go with three, and and James will be the uh, glorified uh, clip holder this year. So I have him going with three quarterbacks into the season. And they were, sorry, you broke, you broke up there. What, it was Darnold Flacco and what do you have Morgan making and it? Morgan? I have Morgan making it as the glorified uh, clipboard holder this year. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, some of these are super obvious. They won't take a lot of explanation running back. I got bell Gore and Perrin. I think that, uh, you know, bell is going to be, much better off this season with a better offensive line. Will he be the same bell he was in Pittsburgh? Probably not. Hopefully Adam Gase has uh, decided to use him out of the slot a little bit more as a receiver and actually target him there. Let him make some plays, you know, not just out of the backfield. And those are my three. Like I said, Cannon's a guy that I was like, I I think Brant Boy is really going to want him. I had him on my original roster, but I wanted to go with a, uh, a seventh receiver instead of a fourth running back because I think, 
at this point, I'm saying go ahead and prioritize receivers. Not enough experience there. So uh, I went with one extra receiver instead of one extra back. Who have you got at running back, Alex? Uh, I have the same three as you, uh, Bell, Gore, and, and P. Ryan. Um, unfortunately, Trent Cannon is uh, going to find himself maybe on the practice squad, but I, I could see him get picked up by probably the Patriots. All right. And at receiver, like I said, I went with seven. I'm going with Perryman, Mims, Crowder, Smith. And then I, 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 Doxon was the guy that I had off, then I put him on, then I took him off. I eventually settled on him making the roster because he at least has some NFL experience. Um, and, you know, he's put up 500 yards in a couple different seasons, so he can do a little bit for you. Berrios, I think, is a guy who, as well as he did on specials, is a return man, one of the top guys in the NFL last year. And I think if he, I think if he develops as a receiver, he's got a shot. So I'm sticking with Berrios. And then of the undrafted free agents, I've got Cager making the roster. So Perryman, Doxon, Berrios, and Cager, that Smith, of course, being Vincent Smith, not Jeff Smith, who I think will stick uh, in the practice squad again. Yep, I, I have seven as well. Uh, I'm going with Mims, Perriman, uh, Doxon, Vincent Smith, Crowder, Berrios, and Josh Malone. Um, and that one I had a question mark on because you never really know how one of the UDFAs, Cager or Campbell, might work out. Um but then there's also the other Smith, Jeff Smith. So uh, the seventh one will be the mystery man. But right now I, I think Josh Malone might have a shot just because of his uh, measurables and, and uh, deep third ability. Yeah, you have to like Malone's size, speed ratio. And I think Jeff Smith, listen, he's a guy like, uh, as we've said, spent most of the season on the practice squad, got elevated, got hurt in his first game. But I, I liked him as a guy to stick last year uh, on the practice squad. He did. And I I think they like him. I think, you know, as Joe Douglas said, he wants speed guys. He is absolutely a speed guy. And that gadget playability is a guy who went to Boston College, started out as a quarterback. So maybe he sticks. I'd love to see him stick. Um, don't have him making it now, but I, he's one guy. I think if you showed me the list and, you know, because, you know, this time of year teams tend to carry like 15, 16 receivers. Um, having listed seven, Smith would probably be my eighth guy. And I, I could see him beating out a Doxon. You know, like I said, Doxon's the guy that I bounce back and forth. Went with him at this point, like I said, because of experience. But if some of these other guys step up in camp, I could see them moving on from Doxon and a guy like, uh, like Jeff Smith making it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Tight ends. I've got Herndon, who, you know, I, I've said a million times to me, outside of the obvious, which is Donald and the O-line. Um, but to me, Herndon is the biggest X factor on the roster. What he could bring to the offense at tight end is can be a huge, huge, huge difference maker. But I've got Herndon, Griffin, Wesco. I initially had four tight ends with Brown, but I dumped Brown and went with the three tight ends. What do you have, Alex? Yeah, I was in the same uh, wavelength as you. Um, I went from four to three. And, uh, you know, Gase has his guys, as we know. Uh I feel that the potential and the financial factor that Wesco should have a spot over Daniel Brown. Think about, you know, how stubborn Adam Gates can be. And I also think about how Wesco was not drafted by Joe Douglas. So I could see it Herndon Griffin and Daniel Brown and uh, Wesco find himself on a new team or possibly on a practice squad of another school, another team this year. All right. That moves us right along to O-line, where I I said, you know, uh, at the top of this, that there were a couple guys that I I knew right away that I, I'm viewing more as probably practice squad guys, but going out on a, a little bit of a limb here, having them making the roster. So, um, of course, you're going to have Becton and Fant, the, uh, the number one pick and the $10 million free agent. And then I'm also going with Adoga and... Adoga, to me, I think in my mind, he's more on the bubble than a lot of people think. Um, I think we've said, I've said a million times, he's got the feet, does he have the strength? And the question is going to be work ethic. And you, you, go, to, you go back to his pre-draft stuff, what people from USC were saying, what some of the national folks were saying. I've, I want to say someone said a lot of teams took him off their board completely. 
because of work ethic issues. So if the rumors of work ethic are true, they did not draft this guy. If he does not show up significantly stronger, I can see him being let go. But I'm going to, at the moment, give him the benefit of the doubt, hope Adoga puts in the work. And then I'm all, but I'm also going to have undrafted free agent Jared Hilbers out of Washington making it. Played left tackle and right tackle in college, much like Adoga, needs to get stronger. But a technically sound player who I think, uh, I think the Jets will like his versatility and will be a guy that they can sort of develop behind the other tackles on the roster. Okay. And how many offensive linemen do you have total? O-lineman total, I have four tackles, I have four guards, and I have two centers, so I have ten. So you have ten. All right, I'm at ten as well. Um, I'm predicting that the, the starting offensive line is going to be uh, Becton, Lewis, McGovern, uh, Greg Van Roten, and George Fant will be the starting fives behind them. I have Cam Clark, Connor McDermott, Ben Braden, Josh Andrews, and Chuma Adoga. So I have ten as well just a little bit different from you, I believe. Okay. So yeah, I've got, um, all right. So you went by, you went left to right. Um, I'm going tackle guard center. Uh, so those are my tackles. Um, I do like Braden. I uh, didn't have him stick. I think he might, as I've, you know, as I've said, he's a guy that the jets let go of last year, but he was only gone for a couple weeks with green Bay. And as soon as green Bay, let him go, Joe Douglas snatched him right back up. So they must like something that they see there. Uh, I don't have him making it, but I do like his chances. So I'm, but as far as for my guards, I'm going Lewis Van Roten. I've also got McDermott, and then of course, of, of course Clark. And then for center, I've got McGovern and Harrison. I just like the fact that Harrison is a more established guy um, as a backup, and he doesn't make a ton. He makes 2.5 million, so you, you know you're not saving a ton of money by letting him go. Um, they may not and see it that way. It, they get all that back, though, right? Correct. Correct. He, they would yeah. they would recoup that entire two and a half mil. But if you look at it now, again, I'm uh, you know having said earlier, we have no idea what the cap's going to look like. But if there are no extreme mm-hmm. changes, um, two and a half million shouldn't make a great deal of difference for the 2021 it, season. I mean, that, that's the type of money you can free up by you know moving a couple bucks on a, a long term player deal. I went with Josh Andrews over Jonathan Harrison mainly because a he was brought in by Joe Douglas. Mm-hmm. He's I believe at you know right around a million dollars or something like that for the year. He's got guard and he has center um, eligibility, uh, so there's flexibility there as well. Um, and with him, with, with with Harrison and Winters being cut in here, that gives the Jets. Uh, $10 million on the cap as well. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I see where you're coming from because I, I had that thought too. I just I went with Harrison because he's the more proven guy. Andrews yeah. has played only a handful of snaps in a few years in the NFL. He hasn't managed to start a game, I don't believe. He's just had some backup reps um, and very few of them. So I went with the experienced guy. But listen, if Douglas, Douglas did bring him in, if he likes him better, and he can save 1.5 by cutting Harrison over him, then, you know, that probably happens. On the D-line, I'm carrying seven. I've got Quinnen Williams. I've got McClendon. I've got Henry Anderson. Foley Fadakasi. I've got Zuniga, Phillips, and Shepard. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. What do you got, Alex? We are on the same wavelength. Exact same seven is what I have up front. Same number, same players. All right, well, there you go. Outside linebacker, this is where they're super thin. I hope mm-hmm. they can find a vet to bring in. Um, I went Jenkins, Basham, Huff, and Luvu. Okay. Um, I have three, because I think we're going to go a little bit heavier on the inside linebacker, which we're probably going to do next. Um, and I have Jenkins, Basham, and, and Huff. And I kind of feel like, you could interchange Zuniga and Huff as defensive end and outside linebacker. So, you know, we, we're throwing them in these spots right now, but we don't really know, you know, what roles they're going to have moving forward. But they're kind of tweeners, and definitely uh, they should have some sort of role. I think Huff has got a pretty good shot out of out of majority of these EDFAs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that uh, in terms of inside linebacker, this was the position I had the most difficulty with. 
because you can make a really good case for like seven guys who are good enough to stick. And I mm-hmm. just, I couldn't, I, I already know this list is wrong because there's, there, like I said, there's seven guys who are good enough to play in the NFL. Um, the odds of guessing the right two being let go are, are quite slim. Um, so I went Mosley, Williamson, Hewitt, Onwasar, and Blake Cashman. And that, of course, is largely dependent on his health. Um, I've, it, Even though I'm doing this, I feel like Burgess finds a way to stick. I didn't find a way to get him to stick on the 53 I did. Um, could probably make room for him. Like, honestly, looking at it now, like maybe, maybe you let Luvu go. And you keep uh, it, it all. It, I think if Cashman is healthy, I think we might see him more at outside linebacker, and he would bump Luvu. Um, not more, but he would see enough time at outside linebacker that maybe you bump Luvu, and then that's how Burgess sticks. But I've got Mosley, Williamson, Hewitt, Onwasar, and Cashman, but I think they find a way to keep Burgess as well. Um, what do you have at inside linebacker, Alex? Yeah, I, I had a long, a hard time with it too, um, and mainly because of the points that you brought up uh, with Cashman um, and the fact that you know we could possibly we could we could save a lot of money. And it's kind of odd, you know, point in time in June um, during free agency, they could have had these opportunities to move some players to free up cap space. So it's like, why did they sit on their hands for say? Uh, but, you know, Williamson would be great savings if you could find a trade suitor. And we clearly know that our defense can perform well with players like Hewitt, Burgess, and Cashman in the mix. So, you know, right now I have Mosley, Williamson, Cashman, Hewitt, and Burgess as the five uh, inside linebackers. But, you know, this peanut guy from Baltimore that they brought in, you know, this is a Joe Douglas guy. So, again, uh, I, I have a feeling that, you know, there's a theme here with Gase and Joe Douglas that, in their minds, they have their own guys. Uh, so that that could definitely change. And, uh, you know, basically went with Hewitt and Burgess from familiarity. And, you know, they played, you know, pretty well. They were stand-up guys for this defense last year. So I feel that what they did last year, definitely they deserve some sort of a, you know, a rotational role, um, or, you know, in a backup role is, is what they really are. But, I do feel like they they will get a decent amount of snaps in in certain packages if they make this roster. Yeah, and I and I should say, you know, with stuff like this, even though like for example, I've got Brian Winters being cut, um I try to limit how many transactions, predicting trades and things like that. Um uh, but I should have said I, you know, in looking at Williamson, I love that he's on the roster. I think him and Mosley can be a great tandem. But I think the Jets will look to move him if he has a basically he's got to come out now, if there's no preseason, that changes things. There's a full, or even if there's a couple games, if he stays healthy throughout camp, doesn't miss time, plays well, they'll probably showcase him and let him play. You know, if there's two preseason games, he'll probably play every snap of both games. And then you try to move him for a pick. And then Anwar comes in and he's, he starts next to Mosley. And then that, that allows a guy like Burgess to stick. Um, Cashman sticks, things like that. So this isn't to say he's coming, but it, it's – you can't predict the Williamson trade now because he hasn't played. And then if there's a, you know, very abbreviated preseason, he might not play enough for teams to bite. But listen, we saw a, we saw Avery Williamson play a couple seasons ago with the Jets. You can't tell me there's not a team out there that can use a player like him and that would give up a pick. I'm not saying a premium pick. I'm not saying they're going to get a second rounder for the guy. But, uh, you know, if you can get a fourth. Yeah, I was going to say, if you get a fourth rounder for Williamson, I think you make That's that deal. Yeah, and then you get your guy starting next to him. Uh, and especially, you know, and I, I said it, a lot of people said it, you know. When they signed on with Sar, a lot of people said, that's it for Williamson. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is the guy who literally played next to Mosley in Baltimore um, while Joe Douglas was there. And now they're, now they're adding him with Williamson, who, a guy who they can save $6.5 by cutting or trading. So... I still wouldn't rule it out. I think I think what's happened with me, Alex, I'm I'm so pumped about what I think Mosley and Williamson can do. I'm trying not to even think about that Williamson deal. But when you you know I'm, you sit down and look, at, <laughs> look at the roster. Yeah, I, I think it's I think they can be one of the better teams in the NFL up the middle, um, largely because of those guys. So, you know, will there be a preseason? We don't know. If there is and he plays well, I think uh I think a deal is, is quite likely 
to free up that $6.5 million. So a couple positions to go, corner, safety, kicker, punter, long snapper. I think we can agree on the long snapper now. Alex, is that going to be Hennessy? You got Hennessy? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, nope. that was the, we should have mentioned that our top three off the bat should have been kicker, long snapper, and punter, and then yeah, really yeah. a 50-man roster. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I, yeah. I, I built a roster without those three positions. So, yeah, we'll just no, one, no, two, three. No, not predicting any surprise trades at the last second for a long snapper then. Um, yep. So, corner, I have Desir, Hall, Poole, Austin, Mollett, and Wilson. Who do you got? Desir, Paul, Mollett, Austin. Yeah, I think we you have six, I assume that was, that you just said there, Desir, Poole, yep. Mollett, Austin, Bryce Hall, and Quincy Wilson. That's my six, yeah. Yep. All right. So, we're, we are in agreement there. And then safety, and Alex. Skip to the next position. <laughs> there, might be some, there might be some changes here. Um, you know, you uh, Marcus May and Ashton Davis. There you go. That 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 rounds wow. up the safety position. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, right Ashton Davis. It's like I just bit into What's a lemon. What's that? Yeah, I'm telling it, you, man. You can see my face. It's like I bit into a lemon right now. Yep, Adams. Oh. Adams. Uh, you know, we'll pencil him in for the time being. But Adams, May, <sighs> Davis are my three safeties, and. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah, see how I that... in Matthias Farley. I did it. I, I didn't put him in there. All right. I, that's the kind of mood I'm in today, I guess. I mean, all right. It... You know, we're human, right? We're, we all just, you know, we live in the moment sometimes. But, you know, this is scary because I, I saw somebody just recently post, like, well, at least we got Marcus May. And it's like, yeah, we got him. But he's a true free safety. He can play strong safety. But, you know, go back and look at those games where Adams had that, that high ankle sprain and May had to come in and fill in for his role, you'll see that he was not as productive. Um, and yeah, know, he let up I some mean, catches, and he got, he's not Jamal he got Adams. swallowed up inside the box. He's not Jamal Adams, but he's a great free safety. No, And apparently this kid, and, Ashton Davis, is like a center fielder, like a baseball kind of track field kind of kid. So you wouldn't want to put a rookie in a Jamal Adams role, and you'd have to force May to, to actually play a new position. So... It's a little scary, and we already know about May's injury history. So, I don't like I don't like this world. <laughs> yep, yep. So I got I got Maher as the kicker instead of Ficken, uh, and of okay. course Man at punter because because uh, he can boom the ball a mile, and that's you know not not sure I, I can recall a time where I was looking this forward to seeing a uh, a punter, but yeah, Brett Ma- Brett Maher is my kicker. And uh, Mans at punter and, and Hennessy at long snapper. Yeah, uh, Tom Hennessy has uh, been with the team a few years. Guy's solid, does his job. Absolutely. If only if hey, if you had fifty three guys like him on your roster, right? Do your job yeah. right every time. So <laughs> I think that uh, I think that wraps it us for us, wraps it up for us, Alex. We are uh, just a smidge. Under an hour here, um, and man, what a crazy, crazy evening! But listen, and we thought we were going to have anything to really talk about tonight. Too. Yeah, you know, I thought, <laughs> well, we'll do the fifty-three, but there's really not any other stories to do. Um, you know, real-time no, stories. Brilliant. Yeah, and then this hits, um, and again, it's it's. Listen, it could turn out to be nothing, but I, I think long term it'll be something. Uh, it's it's kind of turned a corner now, where it's getting ugly we got a few and. So, so Glenn, let me ask you: mm-hmm. Can Joe Douglas save this this crazy fiasco that we are now back into? Can he save the day? Can he make an offer and can he fix this this tarnished relationship? Because you know, normally when players go out vocally like this to the masses on social media, it's pretty much done. Do you think that there's any like what's the percentage that you could put on it right now? or your Vegas odds on, on this turning out to where 33 say, is playing for the Jets this season. You know, I'm, I'm honestly torn because my gut feeling is that Chris Johnson wants him to stay, but Adam Gase would like him to go. And I think Joe Douglas is going to, um, you know, unless Chris Johnson says, I'm not letting you trade this guy, then obviously he doesn't go and Joe Douglas has to fix it. But if they let Joe Douglas do what Joe Douglas wants to do, and as I said, he's got to try to – his job is to get good players. But 
I think he's going to want to do as much as he can to give Adam Gase what he wants. And I think if Adam Gase is like, look, man, I don't want this guy in my locker room. Um, a lot of talk about being a leader, but the reality of it, he's not. You know, I said that last year at the deadline. A lot of the antics to me were like the antithesis of a leader. So I don't see him that way. I don't think Gay sees him that way. And I think if odds of him returning, I would say I'd say twenty percent. Um, um, again, unless. Chris Johnson absolutely insists and says, no, you're not trading this guy. Um, yeah. as, uh, as we know, these things can drag but out for a long time. Stock. Well, I'll tell you what, ju- just uh, a quick note here, just tweeted out by Rich Samini. Uh, I'll read it uh, verbatim here. The Jamal Adams trade request is the first big test for GM Joe Douglas. Does he trade his best player or hold firm? Know this. Teams already are showing interest. A trade for draft picks does not help them in 2020. In that case, he should have done it. And I'm guessing he's going to say, let's see, that's that. In that case, he should have done it before the draft. If he opts for a trade, the package needs to include a quality player. This is something I've said. I want a starting player to be included in any deal. The Jets shouldn't be in a hurry. They have the leverage. Know this. Oh, so according to Samini, he says, I know this. Mm. They are not happy with his behavior. So They have every right to be unhappy with the way he's conducted himself. Yeah, and listen, I'm, I'm, I always say I don't mind the guy holding out. But really, see, this is even pre – now that the rookies, the deals are sort of pre-structured, I used to always say I have no issue with a guy holding out as a rookie, like get especially a first-rounder. When you know you have leverage, get as much as you can. Um, but in this in this case, I mean, I understand. Here's the thing: I understand that Jamal Adams wants his money. Listen, we would all like a huge pay raise tomorrow, but we're not at all as good at our jobs as Jamal is. So <laughs> he's he's got leverage in that sense. However, the Jets hold all the cards. The Jets have control for the next two to three years. So all this, this constant, you know, we've talked about it before, the, the, the cryptic tweets and the roundabout way. I mean, at least now he's just coming out and saying it. You know, before it was like there was always like a little drip drop here and there about how he felt where you could kind of read it a couple different ways. Now he is just coming out and saying it. I want out. I want out now. If you don't want to give me a deal, send me to another team. And here are some teams that I don't want to deal from right away because I want to be with those teams. So he doesn't want to be a Jet. The Jets have all the leverage. But listen, Joe Douglas, If listen, if you're a GM rebuilding a team, you'd love to have a guy like Jamal Adams, but you might also like the idea of a few extra draft picks and a couple premium picks and maybe a starter heading into next, uh, heading into the draft next year. But um, plenty, plenty left to happen. Plenty, plenty of time for something to happen. But, uh, Alex, we've got a few seconds here, so I'm going to throw that question back to you. What do you think? What what number do you put on it? What percentage chance is Jamal Adams a Jet next year? And then we will sign off for the evening. Uh, you know, twenty percent sounds like the right number, but for me, I I, I think it's. I want I want them to take the stance at this point, and you know, you played your hand. You you decided to be unprofessional and go on social media and rant and you requested and you demanded it a trade as if we've insulted you somehow when it looks like you're just reacting to you know social media trolls so I hope they take a good stance on this I don't think that right now as of today that they can they can fix this relationship I don't know if there's any amount of money right now today that that will make him happy but I could be wrong so um, I don't think this bodes well. And um, I don't think chances of him playing this year are very good right now. But uh, I do hope that the Jets exercise their rights um, as they have, you know, what we talked about, um, tagging him and having him hold out and finding him and things like that and, and forcing his hand. That may be the only play that they have left at this point. And, you know, I'm hoping that they figure out a way, but I do have my doubts. All right, Jets fans, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!